Today we are starting a new sermon series called Our Church, Christ's Home. It comes from a sermon that was preached many years ago, a sermon that was titled, My Heart, Christ's Home. And in that sermon, the preacher talks about how that day when he welcomed Jesus Christ into his heart, how it was a day that was transformative. It changed everything about his life. It wasn't emotional or dramatic, but it was real and impactful all the same. And then in that sermon, the preacher goes through and walks Jesus through every room of his heart. We here at San Marino Community Church are considering what it means to walk Jesus Christ through every room of our community. Because the church has never been the building, we know that. We have never known that better than we have over the last year and a bit. The church has always been the people. And so, over the next eight weeks, we are going to be walking through each room of our community of faith, examining the places where we are able to welcome Jesus Christ more fully and show Jesus more openly every aspect of our living together. We're going to start today by reading Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6, and verses 15 through 16. Listen with me for the word of God in your life and in mine. I, therefore, the prisoner and the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to be the one hope, to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up, in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Friends, please join me as we pray. God, we ask that in this time and this week, that we will meet you here in a way that feels tangible to all of us. We each bring different things to this moment, but we bring them together as one community. And so we ask for your truth to speak to us as one community. Even though we are diverse, we pray that our heart will still beat alongside your heart in one rhythm. Thank you for this time together and help us to be people who speak your thanks and gratitude into our lives and the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever thought that you were alone, only to realize a little too late that there was actually someone else in the room? Years ago, when Andy and I lived on the East Coast, we had a friend who was raving about this restaurant in New York and insisted that we went. It was a Thai place in the village. It was called Peep. 
The food was fine. The atmosphere was fine. It was a nice enough place with this avant-garde kind of feel, but it was nothing really worth ranting over. Before we left, after finishing our meal, Andy and I decided to stop by the facilities on our way out. And it was only then that we understood why the restaurant had chosen its name, Peep. The four walls of the restroom were in the center of the restaurant, and they were constructed entirely out of one-way glass. We entered the single men's and single women's restrooms with the typical assumption that we were entering alone, only to turn around and lock the door and see the entire restaurant surrounding us, still eating their meals, laughing, talking with one another, some of them staring right at us, but not seeing us at all. Have you ever been caught off guard, acting as you do when you're alone, only to find out that someone else is there with you? It's disconcerting. Our hearts jump, maybe we blush, we try to think quickly back through all of the things that we have just been doing and imagine what the other person might have seen or not seen. We scramble to look really cool and calm, like we had it together, we meant to do that all along. And all of this to the chagrin of the person who has caught us living our private lives in public. It is absolutely much more fun to be on the other side of this social exchange, to be on the side of the person who's watching. As a parent of young children, this happens a lot to me. Watching a child or someone that you love who is clueless that they are being watched, it can be so endearing. It warms your heart up until the moment where it feels a little wrong to not reveal yourself. For just a few moments... We get to see people as they truly are, as they truly are when they are free of every insecurity and self-consciousness, when they are lost in the moment or maybe consumed by a song, singing to themselves or dancing a little bit, or when they are concentrating on some unseen thought. Watching someone be themselves, it affirms something in me that knows that we were created to be honestly seen and known by the communities that we live in, and not just by a few people for a few moments in our lives. Because when I have been the one who has felt startled by discovering another person in the room, particularly by a person that I love, there's something in me that is warmed by the feeling of knowing that I have been truly seen and that I am more loved for it. Have you ever experienced the feeling where the love that you are shown in a moment overwhelms any embarrassment or fear that you also have? Church communities are intended to be communities that do just that. Communities that overwhelm embarrassment and fear with love. Church communities are intended to be places where people are truly seen and truly known 
and truly loved. We get a sense of that intention from our scripture passage for this morning, where the writer says, live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Church communities, my friends, we are intended to be communities where people are truly seen and known. But far too often, church functions like a whole bunch of people existing in rooms constructed of one-way mirrors. We're all in the same place at the same time, but no one is really seeing one another. It can be too common an occurrence at church for someone to feel like another person is looking at them but not really knowing them. It can be too common an occurrence for individuals to believe that the church community exists to meet their needs when they have them, but does not require their mutual obligation for them to meet others in their times of need. This experience of church as a one-way mirror, sometimes we felt it before the pandemic, but it has never been more true over the last 13 months when we as the church have literally been existing in individual private rooms, worshiping and fellowshipping through screens or not at all. For over a year, we have had opportunities to look at each other, but it's really been hard to see one another through computers or behind our masks. It's been really difficult. Because while our faith can feel very personal to us, our faith was never intended to be private. Faith by its nature is a shared public affair. It's easy for us to read the exhortations in the Bible, to live lives of faith as though Scripture is speaking to us individually, but it's not. The vast majority of the time that Scripture addresses you, it's not addressing you and me as individuals. It is addressing all of us together. When the Bible says you, it means y'all. In, your, in our scripture passage for today, the writer of Ephesians is not begging you and me as individuals to live a life worthy of an individual calling. The writer is begging all of us to live together into a calling that we share, a calling that we cannot fully experience or live out if we try to do it alone. Even more so, We know that our faith is intended to be lived and exercised in community through the life of Jesus himself, who didn't come down on earth to walk alone as God against the world, but who made it his first order of his ministry to set out and make friends, and for those friends to then live life together in a way that had them practicing their faith in public as a group. Our faith might feel personal to us, but there is nothing in Scripture in the life of Jesus that makes us think that our faith is intended to be lived in private. I think that's because it is when we exercise our faith in community 
that our faith is encouraged to grow. Again, not only as individuals, but as a unified body. Not just as it says in our scripture passage for today. It says toward the end, We must grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, for, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. Friends, all this is saying is that living in community has a purpose that is not grounded in just nice sentiment or niceness at all. Living in community is intended, and our communities are intended, to accept us as we are, but not leave us as we are. Community is the place where we as people of faith are called to grow. But growth is hard. (laughs) I was speaking about this scripture passage to a friend of mine. We were talking about how difficult it is to grow because growing can be painful. My friend, she has two teenage daughters, and she was telling me about how one of her daughters will occasionally wake up in the middle of the night with growing pains. Her bones are growing so fast that her ligaments just can't keep up. They can't stretch out fast enough. But my friend also told me about how the first thing this daughter does in the morning is hop out of bed and run into her mom's room to see if that is the day where she is finally taller than her mother. Growing is hard because growing can be painful. But the results of growth are thrilling. They are exciting and encouraging. Scripture says that we, as in we all, we need to grow up together because we are called to be every ligament and every joint of Christ's body. And it's important that we must all work properly because growth promotes growth. As the bone grows, the ligament will eventually stretch, even if it hurts. It might be painful at times, but the outcomes are so much more exciting than those momentary pains that we go through when we grow. Which makes me wonder, do you feel like you are living your faith out loud as part of the church in a way that encourages you to grow? Or do you feel like you are living your faith in a private room? When you think back to the day that you first started attending San Marino Community Church or the day that you first became a Christian, is your faith the same today as it was that first day? Or have you grown? The truth is that even if we have opted to live our faith in such a way that we think we are in a private room, the truth is that there are no private rooms in the calling of Jesus Christ. Even if we feel like we have been able to compartmentalize our faith and keep it private, the community of Christ's church, it still surrounds us, it still depends on us, it still moves with us, and it still stagnates around us if we are not paying attention to it. It's sort of like uh, when you see little kids playing soccer, 
As our area starts to emerge from the pandemic lockdown, we're seeing that kids are starting back up in team sports. And you might notice that there's always that one kid who's out in the corner of the baseball or the soccer field playing in his own private world. He's swatting at butterflies. He's picking out weeds. He's switch-kicking in the air against some unknown enemy. He is living in his own private world. He's playing his own private game. But the game on the field hasn't stopped. He might think he's alone, but the teammates, they still need him. And they can all see what he's doing. If we have been living as though we are able to live our faith privately, then it's important for us to come to the realization that we cannot change the way that Jesus built the church. We can never really be alone with just us and Jesus, not in some eternal way. At best, we are going to look like that kid in the corner of the field, karate chopping at gnats and imagining superheroes while the rest of the team is trying to get our attention and warn us that the ball is coming. I want you to think about how much that child will grow that day when he finally realizes that he is not alone, but that he is an important part of the team who is longing to have him play with them. Think about how much that team will grow when they know that they can rely on that player who is out there in the field. I want to leave you with just a quick story. A friend of mine, he pastors in the southeast. He once told me this story about his clerk of session who has taught eighth grade confirmation every year for decades. His clerk of session has been at the church for over 20 years, far longer than my friend who now pastors there. And my friend told me about how he and the clerk of session leaned toward opposite ends of that socio-political spectrum, probably never voted the same a day in their life, very different understandings of the role of society in the world. So he knows that that clerk of session was probably not happy when the church baptized the child of a same-sex couple, and he knows that That clerk probably didn't like it when my friend preached about Black Lives Matter. But that clerk of session has never asked my friend for a meeting to discuss his personal preferences. And he has never written my friend a letter to complain. Instead, whenever that clerk of session teaches the eighth graders confirmation, he starts out by saying, You are joining an incredible church. And then he tells those eighth graders the story about how the church had surrounded him when his wife and he lost their own daughter at a too young of an age. The church was incredible because at that time it overwhelmed his fear and his anger with love at the very moment that he needed it. The church was incredible because they saw him on the corner of the field, melting in his own grief, and they surrounded him as his team. The church was incredible because when he was forced to live his private life in a very public way, they looked at him with endearing eyes and loved him all the more. 
Friends, there are no private rooms in the church. There are no one-way mirrors where we can take in what we want from the community but not give out of mutual obligation. If we are friends with Jesus Christ, or even if we are just looking to put ourselves in God's way somehow, then we are already on the field. We are already part of the team. So if you are taking stock of your faith, and you feel like your faith is the same today as it was 20 years ago, or if you are wondering whether the church is a place where you will be truly seen, then I want to say this very plainly. There are people in this church who see you just for who you are. And when we see you living your private life in public, it grows love in our hearts. And when we see you out in the corner of the field, we will call to you to let you know that you are part of this team. Friends, as we go forward in considering what it means to make this church Christ's home, then please join me in embracing that there are no private rooms in Jesus Christ. There are no private rooms in the church.